episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected is brought to you by Bridgeside Medical Clinic, Chesapeake Integrated Behavioral Healthcare, and Edgar Casey's ARE. Now more than ever, we have an opportunity to be a positive force in the world, to help heal the divide, to treat each other and ourselves with respect. But with so many tools out there, from meditation to physical training, proper nutrition, therapy, and so many others, we all need a little help navigating all the options. Join us as we share in-depth information, insights, and thought-provoking discussions that will help answer your questions about how to stay calm, cool, and connected during these times. Welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected, your guidebook to peace of mind. Hello, and welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick. Something I've come to realize in my career as a mental health professional is the profound influence that providing hope has for someone's healing journey. Helping my clients to realize that there is hope for healing, there's hope for feeling better, and there's hope for experiencing a better quality of life is crucial for the therapeutic process. Our next guest, Eric Christensen, is a filmmaker and hope ambassador. Eric is here to provide some insights and ideas on increasing hope and possibly your own healing journey. Hi, Eric. Welcome. Hi, Liz. This is great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. I'm so happy to have you here. Before we dive into this topic of hope, tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you currently do. You know, I've been making films since I was eight years old, and that was my first scripted film. But in particular, in the last 30 years, I've, my calling, actually, not just my filmmaking, my calling has become films about trauma recovery and the hope after trauma recovery. And this whole journey started approximately 32 years ago when I lost my home in the Painted Cave fire disaster in Santa Barbara. And I went through, I guess, my own trauma. A lot of that was actually self-induced trauma because I was drinking and drugging abnormally. And then I took that opportunity after the fire. It took me seven months, but I took that opportunity and I actually saw it as a chance to wipe my slate clean. And I got clean and sober after that and immediately naively went into my own first personal documentary film called Faces in the Fire, which won my first Emmy Award. And then, but more importantly, it was picked up by the National Institute of Mental Health as a healing tool that they had in their library. So okay, I'm on my fourth film, personal film. I've done a lot of other work in that, in that time. And I'm also a father <laughs> and a husband and uh, ocean enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very cool. And so your films, like as you mentioned, are trauma-focused. And so when we think so multiple traumas and collective trauma, how would you describe this concept of collective trauma? You know, gosh, there's so many definitions and everybody takes it a little bit differently. You know, where I like to focus, especially right now in these times uh, as a collective trauma is I think we all are experiencing a low-level collective trauma dealing with the pandemic. And, you know, it it just, it's the unknown. That's where trauma really, really gets you. You know, for for a mass shooting survivor, you know, that they're coming out of this situation where it was the most horrific event in their life. Then they go into a grocery store and there is unknown in there. And just for example, especially right now, we'll talk about a collective trauma. Them, you know, working with the mass shooting survivors in my film with these masks on, they can't read people's face. Oh, that, sure. they are like hyper vigilant. They go into a supermarket and, and they're looking for clues all the time and, and they can't read individuals face. So it, it's, it's a very, it exacerbates 
mm-hmm. uh, already difficult situation. Absolutely. I think for the for the average, not the average, but for for you know you and I, for me personally, right. as a, a man in recovery, when the prescription for the pandemic is isolation, yes. it's almost the polar opposite of what the people in our mental health community or in recovery community are looking for. We're looking for community. We want to reach out and we want to see people. We want to actually touch them. You know, in my personal experience in my 31 years of sobriety, you know, I go to in-person meetings, but I tried the zoom meetings and it kind of gets you by, but not the same. We need to see another person like ourselves, you know, and it's the same with depression, same with anxiety. I, I mean, I, I know some individuals that have severe, you know, clinical depression. And when you ask them to isolate that, holy cow, that is yes, the, exactly what we need to do. At all in the pandemic. And then as you're describing the isolation that has resulted because of has been this compounded trauma because we are pack animals. That's how humans are wired. That's how we are designed for connection. And so that's a great point when we don't have that connection and we are being encouraged to isolate and stay away from connection, that is definitely a traumatizing experience. And if nothing else, incredibly stressful. Exactly. And and for me, I had to find, I had to find an outlet. And so personally it became one-on-one with some of my friends that I know in recovery groups that we'd go out into the park. And mm-hmm. we, at, at that time, everybody was for kind of freaking out. So we social distance, sat in the park. Sure. And, and it, and it worked. Yeah. And now I go to a lot of outdoor meetings and I've gotten more comfortable and for, <laughs> I've been vaccinated and then I had COVID and now I've had the booster. So I think I'm pretty solid. <laughs> You're good to go. <laughs> but, but still going back to the seriousness of this is, you know, I, I think my recovery groups have kind of uh, adapted to it. Some of my main meetings uh, are outdoors. Sure. And, and, and that's actually way better because you get to enjoy nature while you're also filling yourself spiritually with the connection and the identification with others. And that's so important in any recovery or uh, mental health community. All of that being so valuable. Yes, absolutely. So you describe yourself as a hope ambassador. What do you mean by that? You know, that was coined by my associate producer and my uh, publicist, Ariel Carpenter. And I, I actually like it because I don't like being called a filmmaker. You know, a, a filmmaker alone to me is somebody that comes up with some sort of idea that they think has some sort of splash to it, some sort of hook to it. And then they carry that out. And it's, I, I don't want to go as far as saying it's, you know, it's ex- exploiting, but sure. a, a lot of it is. I, mm-hmm. I, I like to consider myself, since I've been doing this for almost 30 years, I like to consider myself as an inside kind of agent that is sending a message to, from these communities, particularly, you know, I, my first film was about surviving a disaster. My last two films were about the veterans communities and surviving horrific wartime traumas. And then this film has mass shooting survivors, 9-11 survivors, sexual trauma survivors, a male sexual trauma survivor, and a survivor of communist um, Hungary. So I, I like to believe, going back to the Hope Ambassador, that I have a certain connection with these people and it has become my calling to tell this story. But that sure. big part of that calling is making sure my films carry a message of hope. It's just not about the problem. It's just not about this, this math. It's not really necessarily the mass shooting 
right. you know, in the film, it's just a tiny section of it. We don't, we don't play that out. What we want to play out is that path that people take after the trauma and yes. eventually the hope. Yes. And it sounds like, so maybe what you're expressing is your objective is less about the entertainment or the shock and awe value of it and more putting these films out to provide hope to these communities, to provide a hope for healing and, and a hope that you can experience something really traumatic and come out to the other side. You know, and, 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 and here's the conundrum or the uh, catch 22 in this whole thing is the entertainment world as a whole, they love to focus in on the drama and the rock value where I focus on the Pope, but here's the, the catch to it. My last film searching for home, coming back from war, everybody's like, okay, this is a beautiful film. You know, it has a lot of hope, but you know, I, it, it wasn't really about the war. But it did 2,300 airings in three years. And so my distributor is like, wow, people really do want to hear a message of hope. You know, you don't have uh, people pulling their hair and having a fight in reality TV in, in the middle of the street to entertain. I think right. people want that feeling that you get by connecting with somebody and being uplifted by their triumphs and the aspiration that occurs. That's, that's what I, that's my, um. That's my little niche. And that's I absolutely agree. Where can our viewers find your films? What what is your website? How can they get connected with you? Well, my my latest film that has been out for a while, Searching for Home, Coming Back from War. You can find that on Apple TV and Voodoo and all the normal uh channels. Okay. Mm -hmm. Current film, Unmasking Hope. Uh you can find more information about it on unmaskinghopethemovie.com. And okay. that will be coming out on public television October 10th, which is International Mental Health Day. Okay, wow, that's great. And what about social media? Are you, do you have any social media accounts? Instagram, you can look for us on Unmasking Hope. And also on Facebook, you can look for un, uh, us on un, Unmasking Hope also. Okay, great. Well, I love this mission. I love that instilling hope and spreading that message that there is hope for getting past all of this. So that's great. Thank you so much for being with us, Eric. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected. Please make sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram, and also make sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast so that others can discover our content as well. Thank you again for joining us on this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected. 